Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. I am so excited to introduce to you, and most of you already know her, Kathy Spaulding is, yes. She is a pastoral assistant here at New Day, and she's part of our preaching team. We do not have a single preaching pastor here at New Day. We have a preaching team, so you can hear from several different voices. And Kathy, I just want to honor you for um, just your years and years of walking with the Lord. Elijah talked about ups and downs, and Kathy has has weathered many. And so when she preaches, she brings this wealth of experience and maturity and testimony and miracles of what she's seen God do in her life and others' lives. And so let's just pray, um, and then she will share the sermon with us. So thank you, Father, for this beautiful morning together. And um, I just thank you how you're revealing to us your faithfulness this morning and um, just the value of community to walk together through ups and downs. And um, I just pray right now, blessing over Kathy, that your words would pour forth from her mouth. And we just honor her and we look to you, Holy Spirit, to teach us what you would like us to learn this morning through um, this vessel, this wonderful, um, beloved vessel of Kathy Spaulding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give her another hand. Yay. Thank you. Thank you very much. So today's message I have entitled, The Power of Love. Um, or love one another. <laughs> Sorry. Sure. Let's start it out right. Anybody else had a week? Have you had a week? Raise your hand if you've had a week. Oh, my goodness. So um, I was struck by the song, The Power of Love. Um, I, if anybody knows the Huey Lewis song, um, it was he wrote it while he was watching his wife and daughter on a beach. And it says, the power of love is a curious thing makes one man weep and another man sing. Change a hawk to a little white dove, more than a feeling, it's the power of love. And I, that song has become famous probably because of the tune, but I think the words are really um, powerful that you could take a hawk and make it into a little dove. Has anybody ever seen somebody transformed by just having someone love them? And that's what God does for us, is he loves us. And then we are transformed, and then we can love one another. So today, as I talk about loving one another, I'm going to share a couple of things, like why should we love one another? I mean, if I have God's love, I don't need anything else, right? And then how do we love one another? What does that actually look like? And then what does it look like? So how do we do it and then what it looks like? So let's start with the why. Because Jesus said so. Okay. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Now that's a tall order. Anybody know what Jesus did when he loved us? He laid down his life. He gave up his own life for us, for you and for me. 
that's that's some kind of love. <laughs> um, and the author of First John, he talks, he expounds on this, and we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to read this. The author expounds on what Jesus said, and he says, "Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God." that good news? You don't have to do it on your own. It is something you receive from God, then you can pour out to someone else. And he says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God, or does not love, does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. You know, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit are hanging out before the world was born. And there's so much love in them, among them, that he said, you know what? I want to share it. I want to share it with a people. And he created us. It com- his love compelled him to create you and me. And then his love compelled him even further when we had fallen to say, I I can't leave them in a fallen state. I have to rescue them. It was his love that compelled him to send his son to die. The passage continues and it says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, don't you love the author? He's like, come on, people. Are you hearing my heart? Since God loved us, we ought to love one another. Do you think maybe they were struggling with this? (laughs) He says this, I didn't count how many times in this one passage, but he repeats it a lot, all right? He says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Wow, you are the vessel to complete God's love. Have you ever thought of that? This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. So the Holy Spirit living in us completes so that we can be um, made into God's image, into the likeness of Jesus. And he continues and says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. You didn't get that the first two times. He repeats it again, right? God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God is in them. We need to let the love of God live in us. This is how love is made complete among us so that we can have confidence on the judgment day. In this world, we are like Jesus. If we want to show the world what Jesus is like, We need to love like Jesus loved. We need to be like Jesus. 
that contradicts our uh, consumer mentality in America, doesn't it? What are you going to give me? What do you have to offer? But this is not what this says. This is says, what, what do we offer the world? Do we offer love from above? Do we demonstrate what Jesus looks like to those around us? He continues, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Do you know that? Does that resonate in you? We receive his love, and that gives us the power to love others. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. This is a must. As I was preparing for today and thinking about this text, and then uh, there's so many verses. At first I had way too many. I just have to read the Bible to you today. And that's probably not, you know, <clears throat> a good use of my time this morning. But I was thinking about Mexico. So Bill and Mary Lee and I had the opportunity to go to Mexico a few weeks ago. And when they first asked, of course, <laughs> I want to go to Mexico. I always want to go to Mexico. And, um, but I knew that it would cost something. It would cost my time. It would cost some money. And it would cost some creature comforts because Mexico is not like America. And um, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and so we willingly went. We signed up. We bought plane tickets. We went to go. And a few weeks beforehand, we found out that the church we were going to was going to be um, or was experiencing a lot of chaos. Their pastor decided one day that he doesn't love his wife and he wanted a divorce. And then he um, informed the church a couple weeks later that he was no longer their pastor. And so this church of people was devastated, heartbroken, hopeless. Some of them were angry. Some of them were grieving. And Bill and Mary Lee and I went down there going, okay, <laughs> what do we do first? Well, we did the things that I'm going to talk about today. We started with having fellowship with them. The very first day, we, we showed up, we learned their names, we had a meal with them, and then we listened to what they had to say. And throughout the week, we poured words of comfort and encouragement and love into them. We confronted some conflicts. We dealt with some hard issues. And it, by the end of the week, we had such unity with this group of people that we had just met. It was, it was amazing. But that's the power of love. That was God working in us to reach out to a people and give them hope. That first night, they were so hopeless. I, I went to bed going, okay, God. <laughs> And we just had a meeting with them a couple, uh, when did, a little while ago. 
and the six leaders are so full of hope and encouragement. And, you know, um, we did, I mean, in one way you would think, well, you didn't really do very much. You just kind of talked. <laughs> I tell you, what we did was nothing less than transformative for them. And those were their words. What you did for us was transformative. It made so much difference. But you know what? That's not just Bill, Marilee, and I. That's you. This is what God calls us to. He calls us to fellowship with one another. Sorry for the crappy graphics. I didn't have Tori help me. So, um, so the First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So my, my question to you is, okay, so encouragement, what does that look like? It means to be of good comfort. It means to build one another up. Build one another up as, is, as in a house. You construct a house and you make it strong. So we're called, when we fellowship with one another, we're called to do that to one another. You are to encourage one another, as I am encouraging you. I'm building you up. You need to be building up those in our body. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spurring one another on. Has anyone seen a spur before? Okay, not super comfortable for the horse, right? Sometimes our spurring one another on might seem not as nice. But we need to do that for one another. And it says to not give up meeting together as some of them are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. Spurring one another on also could be um, referred to as provoke, to push one another to love and good deeds. But to do that, we have to be in proximity to one another. Okay, so you could come on Sunday morning and you could encourage, what do you think? How many people do you think you could encourage on a Sunday morning? Five. Okay, so you encourage five people on Sunday morning. But nah, then the kids need something and something else happens and maybe you only encourage one person, right? But we offer lots of ways to encourage We need to receive God's love, not just on Sunday morning, but all through our week. We need to have in our tool belt words from him, encouragement from him, get what we need so we can pour it out on other people. And then take advantage of what the other opportunities are. Community groups is a fantastic way. So our, our retreats, uh, a few years ago we were doing um, pool days the ladies and one one time only one person showed up it just happened that it was one person but it was Jill um, Larson and I and we sat and we had such a great conversation and I we did that for each other we provoked each other to good deeds we encouraged one another so we have community groups, but if you're not going to participate in a community group, who are you inviting for dinner? 
Who are you going to have coffee with? Who are you hanging out with? You need to share the love God gave for you. If, if nothing, the pandemic taught us that being alone was not good, right? We learned very quickly, even the introverts in the room learned very quickly that, that that's not a way to live. The other way we um, can love one another is the power of our words. Did you know that words can create and words can destroy? I, I hate that little saying, you know, when you were a kid that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. What a lie. The biggest lie they ever told us. Words do hurt. And I think now with social media, people don't even realize how much you can destroy one another. God gave, God used words to create the entire universe. And then he created us to be like him. So why would we think that our idle words wouldn't have power? God used the power of words to build up people. Moses said, I'm not a leader. And God said, yes, you are. And he became a leader. Peter said, who am I to lead anything? And Jesus said, you are a rock and I will build my church on you. And he did. When God speaks things out, they happen. But we can speak those things out too. We can encourage one another. We can build people up. You guys all know the adage, you have two ears and only one mouth. Use it wisely, right? Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Are all of your words full of grace? <laughs> I cannot say that mine are, especially in my own home. Seasoned with salt, maybe, but... <laughs> Sometimes I can be salty. <laughs> yeah. And then Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who are listening. So when you talk, are you building one another up? That brings us to conflict. Who loves conflict? Cameron. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, Kathy does not. <laughs> this Kathy. This Kathy does not. <laughs> I don't know if that Kathy does. <clears throat> so conflicts. I don't like conflicts. Confronting people, oh. But you know what? It is a necessary part of loving one another and having a healthy relationship. This author, said, uh, this author David Augsburger says, the more we run from conflict, the more it masters us. The more we try to avoid it, the more it controls us. The less we fear conflict, the less it confuses us. 
the less we deny our differences, the less they divide us. Isn't that good? The Bible talks about conflicts in lots of places. I just picked two. Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You ever seen iron sharpening iron or knives sharpening? You ever see the sparks fly? And so when we have conflict, sometimes sparks fly, right? Is it, is it building up? Is it edifying? Because you can do that. You can have a conflict and confront a situation and still be edifying and building one another up. It is possible. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. So there's two kinds of confrontation, I think. Today I'm going to talk about two kinds. One is to confront someone when they're sinning. So I'm going to give you a word of warning. You should confront. I mean, the Bible is full of the appropriate way to deal with someone who's sinning. But when you confront someone who's sinning, you should ask yourself two things. One, do you have a relationship with them? And do they trust you? Because if you don't have, if they don't trust you, they sure aren't going to trust you after you confront them. If you, if they don't, if you don't even have a relationship with you, then what are you doing? Are you just judging them? If the answer to both of those questions is no, then you can definitely come to the leadership and say, I know this thing is going on and I don't think it's good. Don't go to your friends. Don't go to your anybody, but go to your leaders. It's what the Bible talks about. Because we definitely don't want people to keep sinning because it hurts them. But we also need to understand the right way to help people. Is that good? Got really quiet in here. Okay. The other kind of confrontation is when you have a conflict with somebody. Now, that happens all the time. I had one the other day. (laughs) Somebody said something to me. I was telling them about my week and how stressful it was and this, that, the other thing. And and they were like, well, you seem pretty overwhelmed. Maybe you should just not do this. And maybe you should let me handle this. And maybe, and I was like, it didn't feel good. So I had to go back and say, okay, my, 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 um, I had to say, okay, what am I feeling? How is this making me feel? And then when I go and talk to that person, I share what I'm feeling and then listen to what they have to say. So my tips for confronting somebody when you have a conflict is first evaluate your feelings. Why do you feel whatever it is that you're feeling? And if it's just, I'm angry, then I'd ask you to go a little deeper. What made you angry? Not what they said, obviously, what they said made you angry. But what they said made you feel what? And what I, in that situation, that scenario, what I felt was, you don't think I'm capable of handling my life or or managing my time or whatever it was. 
So then I have to go back, and the next step is to go to that person and say, you know, when you said that, this is how I felt. I felt like you don't think I am capable. You don't think I'm worthy. You don't think whatever it is. And then listen. Listen to their perspective or their side. And if it's somebody that you are friends with or that you're married to or whatever, they might go, wow, I was just, I just heard this. Or they might say, you know what, you're really right. I, I should not have said that. And then you have an opportunity to forgive them, which is great. I love forgiveness. <laughs> it's what Jesus died so we could receive was forgiveness. And we can pour it out with one another. Sometimes you have a disagreement, and you might have to agree to disagree. Amen? You might have to evaluate, is this something that's that meaningful in our life, in our relationship? You vote red, I vote blue, whatever. Is that really a deal breaker in our relationship? Is that good? The next one is unity. 1 Corinthians says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Wow. Well, Kathy, you just said you can agree to disagree. Well, here's the thing. Unity is not uniformity. Right? I think Mary Lee even shared this last week. Unity is not uniformity. So in your body, you're made up of cells. Agree? Okay? And so some of my cells are bone cells, and some of my cells are muscle cells, and some of my cells are heart cells, right? But we all have the same or they all have the same DNA, correct? So they have a unity in purpose, which is to keep my body moving, right? The same with the body of Christ. You might be a different cell, but we have to have the mind of Christ. And so some of those things that we might agree or disagree on I might have to go back and say, does Jesus say anything about this? No. I think the kids' bedtime should be 10 o'clock. I think the kids' bedtime should be midnight. Jesus didn't say anything about that. Okay? So then we can agree to disagree. or we, well, well, in that case, we're going to have to agree on something. So, um, But my point is we can have a difference there. But if it's on the Nicene Creed, we believe the same thing, right? And today I'm talking about we have to love one another. Jesus said so. So we need to have that same DNA in us, which is why I'm sharing it with you today. We need to love one another and fellowship in our words, in our conflict, and in our unity. We need you in our family. If you're here today, even if you're from far away, you're still part of our family. 
And so are you that are online. You're part of our family. And the truth is, if you're a Christian in any church that believes that Nicene Creed, you're part of our family. So we need to be encouraging one another and building one another up. When we were in Mexico, we did these things, and we saw such unity happen. It was amazing. It was a little bit of a Kairos moment that um, Josh Muse um, talked about a couple of months ago at our revival meeting, but there's also the Kronos time, right? The daily, every day, we can do this all the time, which is a great, um, which is why we have community groups. It's an opportunity for you to get filled up during the week in your devotions, in your Bible reading, in your worship time on your own, and then you come to the community group and you build one another up. You encourage one another. And you're there for each other during your ups and your downs, like Elijah talked about. Because that's where our support comes from. That's how we're different than the world. The world's only there for you when you can do something for them or you buy something from them. We're not here for that. We're here because I was loved so much that God gave up his son for me. And I just want to pour that kind of love out to others. So what does it look like? It looks like having fellowship with one another. It looks like speaking powerful words to each other, resolving conflict, having unity with one another. You know, the most famous chapter, I think it's one of the most famous chapters in the Bible that the world even uses, is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. But really... That is saying that love is not a feeling, it's an action. So my question to you is, are you patient and kind? Are you envious or boastful or proud or rude? Because love isn't. Love does not demand its own way. Do you? It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong. I wish I could stand here and say, I'm so good at this. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. You know what love does? It never gives up. You give up? It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. And it endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. It never fails because God is love and God doesn't fail. So I leave you with this. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Have that same shared DNA. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Be like Jesus. 
have the mind of of Christ. He loved and laid down his life for you and me. How are you loving others today? Amen. Thank you, Kathy. So let's take a minute to respond before we move on, okay? Um, Why don't you stand with me? Stand up for a minute here. We're going to pray a little bit, but let's reflect for a second. How's your love tank doing? There's a marriage book that talks about love tanks. But between you and God, is your love tank overflowing? Is it running on empty? Is it somewhere in between? Maybe just close your eyes for a second and, you know, prayerfully reflect on that. Have you experienced the love of Jesus? I want to tell you a little bit about it. You can just keep your eyes closed and soak this in. Kathy read a verse to us that said, Jesus said to his disciples, as I have loved you, so love one another. Right before that, he washed their feet. A really respected rabbi, teacher, guy, washed their dirty feet. He ate communion with them. Even the dude who was about to betray him to the Romans and get him killed. The next day, Jesus would go to the cross and die. As I've loved you, so love one another. So, have you experienced that love of Jesus? That sacrificial, willing to wash your feet love? It's the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. And I think he just wants you to receive that this morning. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He didn't go to the cross for the whole world, even though he did. He went for you. He loves you so much. If you're a Christian, we've got to keep reminding ourselves of that. We've got to keep soaking that in on a regular basis. Keep that love tank nice and full. Have some to give to others. If you're not a Christian, if you've never chosen to follow Jesus, you can do that this morning and experience his love for the first time deep in your heart. You know, right here while your eyes are closed, you can just say, Jesus, I'm catching a glimpse of what your love looks like, and it sounds really good. And I'm willing to commit to be a follower. To follow you, receive your love, to try to live life the way you say to do it. I'm in. Let's go for it. That simple prayer is how someone becomes a Christian. (laughs) So do it right now if you need to. Jesus, we just thank you for how your love's been on display this morning through the time, the songs of worship, through communion, through the words that Kathy shared with us from your scripture. Jesus, just remembering what what kind of Savior you are, what kind of person you are, that you love us so sacrificially. 
We remind ourselves of that right now. We soak it in as deep as we possibly can in this moment. So that as we leave this place and go into this week, we have something to share with others. Help us to love like you loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.